Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Step Ahead. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our seventh episode. So this is a podcast where you can gain some really valuable insight about your future career from industry experts. So to give you an idea of the general overview of the conversation we're going to have today, uh, we're really excited to speak to an individual working in a sector that has to deal with power and energy. And the company that our guest actually works at is is into the business of putting in place multiple varieties of power and energy sources, ranging from gas to nuclear and also to electrification. We're really excited to be talking with Ahmed Fathi today. So Ahmed works with GE Vernova as a project manager, and he is a student who's graduated with a bachelor's degree from the American University of Sharjah, and the degree is mechanical engineering. And he's also completed his master's degree in economics and policy of energy from University College London. So Ahmed has been at GE Vernova for over two years, and he initially joined as an early career trainee, but after that, he was offered a full-time position as a project manager. Hello, Ahmed. Tell us, how are you doing today? Hi, Mohammed. Hi, Hoda. Thank you, guys. I'm doing really well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Alhamdulillah, you're doing well. Thanks for asking. To get started with the conversation and to just know you a little better, Ahmed, can you just take us through your university life and share with us maybe some experiences you were involved in university? Now, this is both your bachelor's and your master's. Sure. So um, I joined AOS back in 2014. Uh, I was set on mechanical engineering ever since high school. I was I was really into physics and mathematics, and I thought, Okay, mechanical engineering is my place, and this is where this is what I want to study. And again, what I used to hear back in the day that mechanical engineering opens a lot of doors. It's a very uh, diverse uh, discipline. We have a lot of opportunities and a lot of different fields or industries that you can work in. So I joined 2014. I graduated in 2018. So it was it was a great four years. It had its ups and downs. Um, made a lot of friends. Had a lot of uh, good experiences. But um, I want to say that it, it, it was tough. So it was not an easy job actually finishing your four years. It, it, it was a really tough discipline. We had a lot of um, assignments. A lot of you know different projects to work on. So it was really time consuming, which again, built in us, I would say, I would speak for me and a, a lot of my colleagues back there, we really improved on our time management skills. It's not just you, like you're managing your time, but also you're finding the smartest way or the quickest way to finish the task, which is a really uh, necessary skill, I would say, for any any type of work or any type of job. When it comes to extracurricular activities, I was not really that involved. But yet again, it was it was nice. I took part in some of our global day activities, uh, some of the ASME uh, club activities back in the day. So overall, it was a great experience, I would say. It changed me a lot. And then it pushed me to be, let's say, a, a better version of myself. After that, I um, directly I joined UCL for my master's degree. And I went for economics, which was uh, a shocker for a lot of people like, you're in mechanical engineering. What are you doing in economics? Why are you doing a master in economics? What's the point? To my knowledge, again, economics was always uh, was is really like a weakness point for me. Ever since high school and during university, I didn't I, 
Like, I don't understand the topic that well. But the title of the master's energy policy, environmental policy, economics, I really wanted to understand, like, how does that tie into that? And how does that, again, when, me, when it comes to mechanical engineering or the power industry, the inventions are there. So nuclear is there, gas is there. So again, when it comes to, to economics and energy policy, I really wanted to understand not how we're generating electricity, but how are we actually managing our portfolio? So how does a country manage its portfolio when it comes to environment, when it comes to economics, which is basically financing it, and when it comes to the energy needs, which is growing day after day. So I went there. It was a great experience living abroad, uh, being somehow independent at the time. It built my character. I made a, I made a lot of great friendships with with people from, I would say, all over the world. And it really opens your scope, widens your perspective about energy, how how the world works, how does it actually work when it comes to the environment? Why do we, why do we need to decarbonize? Why do we even care about that? And how to actually go about it? I would say overall, I was I was lucky to have both experiences, and I learned a lot from them. And again, I living think... abroad or, or traveling, it, it's really it's really a nice experience, I would say. Yeah, I think like you mentioned about um, university time, so you had you had an experience to study at two different universities, and uh, coming to your bachelor's, you mentioned about how that tough degree of mechanical engineering taught you time management skills, which I think is very important and which probably you require a lot in the job market. So for sure, I think you mentioned also about your master's degree and how it was so culturally diverse. So you made friends from different parts of the world and understanding more about how they think, how they function and how they view and the kind of perspective they come with. So it's obviously very interesting to meet different people with different perspectives and not just stick to one sort of idea and perspective that we usually like to go with. Exactly. It pushes you out of your comfort zone. So at first when I traveled, I was, I was somehow, you know, escaping. I was excited, but the first three months I was feeling homesick. It was hard to make friends. Uh, different cultures and again the age difference between me or most of my colleagues because when it comes to masters most people usually do that like after doing some uh, after having some work experience so there was like a 10-year age gap between me and, and the people I, I was dealing with but when you push yourself out of your comfort zone like yeah you do make friendships you learn a lot and you, you eventually really enjoy the experience yeah, I think definitely that's some great advice. And that is one of the benefits of going abroad for a master's degree, especially if you stay closer to home for a bachelor's degree. It really pushes you to become more of an independent person. And I also think that point is really interesting because a lot of people tend to gather some work experience and then do their master's. So that age gap is also can be a little bit of a challenge. But again, it's all about being confident and taking that risk also just being out of your comfort zone in general so moving on if so mechanical engineering and engineering in general is a very competitive environment so we're really interested in how you stood out from other candidates well could you tell us a little bit about the recruitment process that you went through so how you prepared for it and again what in your opinion made you stand out in a really competitive world well yeah so to speak i mean when it comes to the ue or dubai in general we're talking about one of the most competitive uh, marketplaces in the world 
and let's say specifically engineering because you're you're not just um, competing with people from the UE or your fellow colleagues in university you're basically competing with the whole world it's it's really open for anyone to apply for a job here and, and be eventually chosen so when I was uh, applying for my first role at GE which is the early career trainee Back then I was doing construction site management, which was the first, say the first job that I found out when I when I came back from my master's. It was out of my scope. This is not what I wanted to do back in the day. But to me, the, that was the only opportunity that presented itself. And I thought like getting out there is better than sitting at home and doing nothing. So I started out there, I learned a lot, but it even pushed me further to, to keep applying and looking for opportunities. And then I applied for my role actually through the AUS Career Fair. It was the virtual career fair to 2021 during COVID. So I applied there. Shortly after that, I got uh, an email about my first interview, which is basically like some kind of a screening interview that happens with a, with a recruiter or an HR representative. And then I moved on to the second interview, which is more technical with uh, some of the functional leaders within the team itself. And after that, there was another interview with uh, HR leader. Uh, again, so different interviews, different purposes, but to prepare for it when it comes to entry-level jobs, again, they're, they're not they're not looking for someone who's perfect for the job because it is an entry level there. Any company is expecting to actually teach that person and develop that person. So what they're looking for is a person that's open for development, a person who has potential to actually to actually be something or to actually fulfill whatever is asked from him or her. So in preparation, it was mostly actually looking at my resume. Whatever you applied with, it's 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 like an advertisement. So it has all your top skills, all your projects, all your degrees, but you need to be able to present that, which comes to communication skills and presentation skills. So you have to train yourself how to present myself, how to actually sell myself to, to any other company. And then you're also looking for your strengths and weaknesses. And when it comes to weaknesses, it's the important point is that you're a person who is aware that you have weaknesses or you have a room for improvement. This is the most important thing, that you're aware that you have something to work on, aware that you have something to develop. And again, you're aware about your strengths. So what good do I do and how can that benefit the company? How can that actually fit within the role that I'm applying for. My key piece of advice would be just understand the role you're applying for and understand your capabilities and be be able to present them well. For sure. I really loved that point that you mentioned about weaknesses. I think whatever interview experience that I've had in a university setting, we base a significant portion of our decision on how the person presents their weakness, what their weakness is and how they're able to present it. Um, that for sure is very, very impactful because at the end of the day, we're all humans and no one is perfect. But if you're able to present your weakness in a way that is actually beneficial to the company or to show that you're working on it, that you're a person who is, as you said, self-aware and you're actually working on that consistently to improve it, then that in itself is going to show the recruiters that you have something that sets you apart or that you have those characteristics. You're more self-aware as a person. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the company is going to do a background check on you. You have to do the same. You have to do a background check on the company. You have to know well, what does interest you at that point. So combining the knowledge of both my degrees, I know that GE has the solutions for, for the energy sector at, and at the same time, they're, they're starting on decarbonization. They're looking at policy. They're starting uh, energy consultancy teams. 
So I thought this is this is a great place to start, and this is the place to where I can actually make use of whatever I've learned before and add on top of that. It's about that research as well. So you research the company before you go in, and you are treating it like an advertisement, and just making sure that you know that it's one thing to have a written CV, but again, how you present it is really really important. Yeah, I think the idea of research is very important, and if you don't know much about the company you're applying in before you're going for the interview, it's going to show, it's going to show in your interview that you're not aware of them. You need to really understand what the company does, understand the fundamentals of the company, see if that's something that actually interests you first of all, uh, because you're getting into a professional relationship. So yeah, I think it's really important to have that rock solid research, and just coming back to the idea and a point you mentioned before which is about your master's degree so you mentioned that you did your master's degree right after your bachelor's you had colleagues who were a lot older, older than you so coming to your education did you feel that they might have had an edge over you because they had an they had previous work experience and also coming to the job market did you have an edge over other trainees because you did your master's degree well, to be perfectly candid, so when it comes to experience, I would say the people with me who had like work experiences, they were more self-aware whenever any idea was presented. They had more, I would say, knowledge in terms of, of the topic they were that the topics that were being discussed. I didn't have that much. Again, I was heavily into mechanical engineering. I didn't have a lot of time to actually read out of that scope. So they had more knowledge at, at that, but what I had on the other hand was I was coming out from student life. So I, I still had the student mentality. I know how to take exams. I know how to prepare. I know how to study. When you get into work life, you actually lose that little bit. You lose the idea of attending a lecture, going back, doing your, your assignments or taking notes. You grow out of it at some point. So yeah, they did have an edge, but again, if you read enough or you actually put the effort in there, we, we eventually were at the same level towards the end of it. That's an interesting idea. And coming to your day and your work at GE, can you tell us a little more about how your day looks like as a project manager? Sure. So um, to be precise, I'm, I'm working with GE Gas Power, which is part of GE Vernova. And within Gas Power, I'm working within the repairs business. So my role is in, it's in the gas turbine and generator repairs in the Jabal Ali Service Center. So my day would basically, for sure, any, any type of day would start with checking your emails, uh, looking at whatever tasks you, you had open from yesterday, whatever tasks you need to work on today. And it's heavily um, filled, I would say, with reviews and meetings because Within project management, I think within any any different company, again, project manager is, is a person who works with all stakeholders. So you would have a lot of different reviews and a lot of different meetings to make sure that you're aligned. So dealing with operations, dealing with logistics, with uh, procurement, with optimization, this is what um, I would do on a daily basis. Risk mitigation is a big part of that. A really big part, which is embedded in the value of GE itself, is continuous improvement, which is something I learned since day one. So from day one, even as a trainee, you're asked, as a person with fresh eyes, you're just joining us, what do you see we can do better? What is our room for improvement? Which is really something I appreciate at GE and it, it changes your mindset. So 
it makes you that anything is open to criticism, anything is open to, to improvement, and this is how you reach perfection at the end of the day. So dedicating a time for self-development as, as one thing and dedicating a time for continuous improvement in any different aspect of your of your job. So it's it's a daily thing that we do. Yeah, I think that's a that's a quite busy day to be honest, considering that you have to manage a lot of different functions and operations and also that project management is a thing which obviously you are focused on one project at a time, but just ensuring that everything goes as you want it to and as planned is obviously important. And the idea that you mentioned about uh, continuous improvement, I think that's that's something which always stands out for companies. The idea of Kaizen, which is always working to enhance themselves, which is an idea that I think really makes companies stand out from the others. And obviously GE is one that does it and that's why it stand, stands out. Yeah, I would say we are leading in terms of, of lean implementation, in terms of, of continuous improvement. And I think even before actually GE adopting lean, ever since it was started by Thomas Edison back in the late 1800s, where, where the motto of GE was continuous innovation. So we, you never stop. You keep innovating, you keep improving, you keep building up on whatever you have, which is great and which is why I really appreciate that like it comes from leaders itself. Criticize anything, point out all of the flows and, and work on improving them. We're always told don't accept the status quo, always push for improvements, which is a really great culture. 100%. I think it's really motivating even for us to listen to and it keeps you on your toes in a way it keeps you motivating and it keeps you constantly striving for improvement and making sure that you aren't aren't stopping and i think in a field related to mechanical engineering and related to this field of energy and power i think that sort of mindset is really really important so moving on to the next question i know we've sort of touched up on this when we discussed interviews but for someone out there for some of our listeners who are interested in a similar field like yours what do you think are those really essential skills that they should be building to stand out because again like we've discussed mechanical engineering engineering in general highly competitive environment i would say for starters um, time management this is um, a very basic skill that you need to have i would say for any type of job but when it comes to project management itself, your time is very limited. You have to know how to manage it well, how to allocate enough time for each and every task or for each and every stakeholder. Communication and presentation skills is day for any type of work and specifically when it comes to such roles. You're communicating all the time, you're presenting to your stakeholders, so you have to be really strong in that. And then when it comes to engineering or leading teams, it's, it's teamwork and being able to lead the team. So leading or managing people, it's a very huge task. Not everyone can actually do it, and it, it needs a lot of, of trainings and, and development to, to be actually mastering that. And again, every time you have a new person in the team, you have to adjust your management style. People are different, and you have to adjust accordingly. And the last but not least, and, and I think it's a very important skill, which, which helps everyone, uh, assertiveness. So you have to be assertive. You have to say, what do you, what do you mean? to get what you want. You have to be very clear and very candid. Going into circles or trying to be nice to people won't always do the job. So you have to, to say what do you mean without being mean. 
that's something I heard in one of the trainings I had on assertiveness and I really enjoy it. So you have to be clear with whatever you want to be done to actually achieve it. I think those are those are very helpful. So we always focus on as university students who are always swamped with a lot of different things to do. We're trying our best to build that skill of time management, which is the first point that you mentioned, and just how to maintain that balance with whether it's academics and extracurriculars or it's work and life. We're always trying to manage our time the best that we can. And again, another thing, as you said, people are very, very different and they work and it is a goal to be able to make them work as efficiently as possible. And sometimes that means adapting your management style. So going from, I know that some companies are a lot more autocratic than others. Some are completely laissez-faire and they're, they just let their employees do whatever they need to do. So that is really important. I think adjusting to people and building those teamwork skills as well, very essential. I just like to echo what you said that time management is something obviously we do have to get that skill during our time in university. But I also really like the point that you mentioned about assertiveness because a lot of people think that the sweet talk can always do the work, but that's not how it works. Many of the times you actually have to tell people to get stuff done. And as a leader, I think you need to just communicate that effectively and efficiently so that you're also getting the work done. But uh, at the same time, you're also maintaining that sort of professional work balance. I think AUS is, is a great place to, to actually build those skills. This is where you build the foundation of these skills. We have a lot of chances or a lot of instances where we had to work in a team, people that you wouldn't know sometimes with, with good friends of yours at, from university. So building that skill when it comes to assertiveness and, and actually leading a team, you have a lot of room to practice, let's say, at AUS. I actually did want to touch up on that a little bit because it's something that personally I struggle with and I know a lot of people struggle with because then they assume that being assertive possibly goes into the area of being mean in a way so how do you how do you strike that balance you mentioned that you've had assertiveness training was there a particular point in that training that they mentioned that was able to help you be more assertive well it's it it goes back to building the relationship with your team and again, you, you want to say what you mean, but don't say it mean. So you have first to agree with your team members or your stakeholders, what is the responsibilities and what is actually expected from them. And having rhythms or having multiple talks with them about the progress of the project or the progress of their task, it is necessary. You're not fighting with them or you're not ordering them to do something. You're agreeing with them that this is what you need to do. You make sure it's very clear to them. You make sure they understand it. And again, when you see someone who's, I would say, not able to do the task, you need to work with that person and and see where is their shortcomings. Maybe support them, maybe coach them, uh, mentor them into learning that specific skill they need to do or the, the specific part of the project. Maybe they don't understand it well. Uh, they would need support. So always being there for them, showing that you really care really builds this relationship of assertiveness with, between you and your team members. That's really wonderful. Thank you. I think, again, because people struggle with that, I think it starts from building that relationship. And then in that way, once you're able to build that, then it is well established that you're not being mean per se. You're just trying to get the work done as efficiently as possible. 
So, Ahmed, can you tell us a little more about the culture at GE? So, how are the people, how are the growth opportunities, how flexible is the company with like various factors, if you can share that with us? We have a really great culture and it, it really makes you feel included. So the first thing at the GE, we're talking about inclusion and diversity. It's very important to us. It's embedded in our values. We have very diverse teams in terms of age, nationalities, genders. It's really great. Uh, you learn a lot from different cultures or from different age group. I'll, I'll speak about my team. Our team is basically, we have a lot of people which let's say are within my age group. So a lot of Generation Z uh, in our team. And on the other hand, you have the rest of the team members we're talking, they're like 40 plus years. They have a lot of more experience and we're working really well together because at the end of the day, there's a culture of respect. There's a culture of being open to criticism. So you listen to a person who has more experience to you and vice versa. So it's really great. and. Uh, I would like to mention our three values at GE. So first thing is acting with humility, which is embracing a culture of respect, respecting everyone and actively listening to everyone and make sure we're all respectful to each other and we're all supportive to each other. And the next thing is leading with transparency, which goes back to assertiveness and being uh, candid. So we say whatever we mean, we just don't say whatever we think people want to hear. So. We're really candid with each other. We're, we're transparent with our customers, with our stakeholders, with our team members. Let's say a conflict with any of your team members, which which could happen. You're you're disagreeing about the process or a specific task. Being candid actually it, it really makes it really easy to deal with that. So you're saying the truth. You're not hiding it. You're being professional. You're being respectful, and it's really a great thing. And the last thing is delivering with focus. So we all have our eyes on the target of delivering and continuous improvement. It's it's a really great culture. And what I like about it, it's it's not just words. So it's actual it's actual efforts. So it's not just a, a publicity stunt or, or saying that, yeah, we do this, yeah, we do that. You see it on your day-to-day -day interactions. You feel it within your interact with people out of your team or out of your let's say organization, because GE is a, is a huge company. So this culture of respect and being candid with each other and supportive of each other, it's its a really key thing that I enjoy and I, I really appreciate that we have that at GE. No, I think the three points that you mentioned, which are really something which would which I would look for in a company before I would like to join. The fact that you consider everybody human and treat everybody equally is obviously really important, but also that this kind of culture is always coming from the top management and that everybody at the top management respects and appreciates the work that's going in at every level is really, really important. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great culture and obviously a great team to be part of considering the kind of diversity there is and the kind of minds. So some, some of the brightest minds are working at uh, GE. Exactly. Like no, no matter your age, no matter your background, you're inclusive. You're, you're part of us, you're part of the family, and you have a voice, you're being heard. And this is what motivates people to actually keep delivering. 100%. And I think the last topic that we'd love to discuss with you is artificial intelligence. So what are your thoughts surrounding AI in this particular industry? So have you seen its impacts yet, or how do you think it will create an impact in the future 
And how should students actually prepare themselves to benefit from AI instead of being replaced by it? We'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I wouldn't say we have, let's say, in my specific day-to-day -day activities, AI is, uh, takes a big part of it. But again, as I said, the lean methodology or the lean concept is it's really, uh, it's our school of thought at GE. And the Toyota production house or the Toyota production system is built on three main pillars. The first one is just in time, then standardized work or hejunka, and the last part is jaidoka, which is automation or putting human intelligence into a machine. So this is something that we actually uh, work on within GE. So automating or improving the processes, making everything, I'd say, smoother or leaner in terms of cutting the waste, automating where or where you can, this is where I see artificial intelligence maybe reaching or could be embedded. But at this specific day with my specific scope, it's not a big part. On the future, I think it's, it's really gonna um, expand and artificial intelligence. I think now we're seeing a lot of, of different applications of it. Within the energy sector, I think it would be more into supporting digitization and collecting data or diagnostics when it comes to repairs. I think this is where it will actually fit. But at this point, let's say from my own perspective, I'm not heavily interacted with it. But I think for sure it's a part of the future. And at the end of the day, it's artificial intelligence is created by humans. So at the end of the day, it's, it goes back to the, to the point of automation. That's a really interesting perspective on AI in this particular industry. And I'm not very well versed with the technicalities of it, but again, it is very interesting to hear from someone who's experienced in the field what they think that AI is going to do and how it's going to have an impact and also specifically how it relates to sort of those um, that lean model or things of that nature. I think the idea about automation that you mentioned, which is putting human intelligence into a machine is obviously coming. And if, if that's something that a company already uses or is having in place that kind of a structure, then it's going to be much easier to adopt to the various kind of AI technologies that are developing and that would be developed. So to conclude the episode, uh, this lovely episode that we've had so far and the, the, the amazing interaction that we've had, Ahmed, can you share with us a quote or, that represents you or your professional experiences? All right. I mean, I have a quote. Um, it's it's something said by, by Albert Einstein when he was asked why, like, how do you get to be so smart or think how do you do all of this? And he said, it's not that I'm... I'm so smart, it's that uh, I stay longer with the questions, which goes back to the point of being resilient and being agile, which is a, a really uh, a very necessary skill in today's world, specifically the professional marketplace. You have to be resilient. Life is not, uh, it's, it's not a straight line after going out of university. It's not like at uni, you take a course to open another course and you take another course and then you get your degree. But in, in life or professional workplace, doesn't work like that. You could go to different fields, to different roles. Uh, you'll have your ups and downs. So being resilient and uh, taking the hits, learning from them, it's a really necessary skill that I, I keep telling to myself. I keep trying to build it in myself. Whenever I have a setback, 
you'll have to go back up on your feet and, and, and do the work. This is what will keep you going. For sure. I think this quote that you shared sheds a lot of light on the kind of industry you're working in, but also that it's it's something which everybody needs to understand that the more time, for example, you spend with something, you'll, you'll end up mastering it better. And also when you fall down, it's not about the loss. It's about coming back up and getting back on the track to get to where you want. So obviously these are two very important aspects and Thanks a lot, Ahmed, for joining us. It was an amazing conversation with you, and we hope you had a great time. For sure, it, it was really my pleasure, and I really want to thank you guys for um, for hosting this podcast. And thank you, thank you so much for hosting me. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure, and we hope you listeners had a great time understanding more about the power energy, but also understanding about Ahmed's role and the kind of responsibilities he handles as a project manager. So thanks once again, Ahmed, for joining us. Have a great day and bye-bye. Thank you, Muhammad. Thank you, Hoda. Have a nice day. I'd just like to say thank you very much again, Ahmed, for everything and to all of our listeners. Hopefully you could benefit from what Ahmed has shared with us today. If you have any suggestions on who you would like to see in upcoming episodes, please do let us know or reach out to us to let us know what types of questions you'd like us to ask them. But yes, until next time, goodbye, everyone. Take care.